she's never not knitting, and it's making her husband mad. Her husband mad. She just won't stop the stitching, and the neighbors say it really is quite sad. Hi, this is Alana, and you're listening to the Never Not Knitting podcast. Welcome, I'm glad you could join me for episode 5. Thank you to everyone who has contacted me or left comments over the last couple of weeks. All of you are really keeping me motivated. Thank you! To be quite honest, the past few weeks, I really haven't felt like myself. I kind of lost my knitting drive and motivation. In fact, I didn't even finish any projects since I last recorded. And I think I know what's causing this. Yes, you guessed it, another finishing job. You see, customers hire me out to finish their sweaters for them, to do the seaming, blocking, weaving in ends, etc. But this sweater that I was finishing last week, it was different. I have never seen anything like it before. Let me help you visualize. For starters, it's huge. Huge. It turned out much bigger than its knitter anticipated. So she says that she will compensate for the size by wearing it as a large overcoat. It's a cardigan style and it's completely square. So no shaping in the waist or for the armholes. And you know what that means. My favorite style. Drop shoulders. So it's huge and square and also, it's extremely thick. It's knit tightly using a basket weave stitch pattern with two strands of Lamb's Pride worsted wool held together. These double strands make this coat also extremely heavy. So heavy that I was walking up to random strangers at the shop saying, wait, <laughs> hi, um, I know you don't know me, but you've gotta feel this coat. It, it's so heavy. Check this out. Look at look at this coat. How heavy do you it think it was? It was so is? heavy that I went on a mission to weigh it. I had to find out how much it weighed. I wasn't exactly sure how I would accomplish this since the huge coat would never fit on my bathroom scale, but if there's a will, there's a way. I used the old trick that moms use for weighing their infants. I stepped on the scale without the sweater and then again while wearing it and then figured out the difference. The sweater alone weighed almost five pounds. Did I mention the sweater coat was also rainbow colored? Yes, rainbow colored. It's made up of five different colors of wool worked into horizontal stripes that fade into one another. So here I was, hired to seam this huge, thick, five pound rainbow sweater. I told you, it was quite a sweater. I find that sometimes when I don't feel like working on a project, it helps if I take it to work and tell myself that I have to work on it while at the shop. And then I kind of reward myself by in the evenings working on the projects that I want to work on. Sometimes this helps me to get things accomplished. So I took it to work with me last week and had it spread out in its entirety over the table. You should have seen the customers' reactions. It's like they couldn't help but look at it. It's as if the bright stripes were luring them into a rainbow sweater daze. You know what I'm talking about. 
Haven't you ever been in one of those social situations where you notice something strange or out of place and you can't help but look at it? You would like to stare, but you're embarrassed. You don't want to appear rude and make the other person feel uncomfortable. Well, that's what this sweater situation reminded me of. For instance, one woman came into the shop and was asking me a question about yarn. And as I was talking to her, I could see her eyes darting back and forth between my face and the rainbow monstrosity laid out on the table behind me. This kept up till she finally blurted out, Uh, are you? Is, uh, is that a blanket? Others, not quite as bold, snuck sly, perplexing glances in my direction as I was seaming that sweater together. I just looked at them and nodded with understanding. They couldn't help themselves. They had simply just fallen victim to its rainbow spell. Finally, I had it all seamed up, and I was noticing that the front edges of the sweater were curling up way too much to be ignored. Now, usually I would block the pieces out before seaming, but the body of this sweater was worked in one big piece, so I didn't really see the need. But because of those curling edges, I knew that some sort of blocking had to happen here. I reviewed my options. Normally, I would just give the knitted object a bath in the sink with some wool wash, press out the water, and carefully pin it out to dry. There was no way that this rainbow masterpiece was going to fit into the sink. It would have to go into the bathtub. Now, I knew that I would be able to get it into the bathtub, but could I get it back out? I was certain that the sweater would outweigh me once it was full of water. Okay, so I would have to take a bath with the sweater. How else could I effectively squeeze out all of that excess water without some serious manhandling? I imagined what that would be like. Me, in a bathing suit, sitting in the bathtub with a rainbow sweater. I could just see it now. All those brightly colored dyes seeping out of the fabric and swirling around in the water, creating a brown, murky sweater stew. How much Yuclan would that take, anyways? And more importantly, how bad would that smell? Remember, we're talking nearly five pounds of wet wool confined to a small guest bathroom. I was afraid my little bathroom might never recover. Okay, so washing the sweater was out of the question. I thought of spreading the sweater out on the floor and enlisting the help of a spray bottle to wet it down, but I was quite sure that my hand would most certainly fall off before I could squirt that sweater enough to saturate that thick fabric. Okay, so that left me with steam blocking. I heaved the rainbow sweater onto my ironing board using a dining room chair to drape the excess fabric to help support its weight. It was funny because every time I had to adjust the sweater just a little bit, I had to pick up and readjust the entire sweater and its chair to avoid it falling off onto the kitchen floor. The steaming fortunately helped the curling situation quite a bit, but not completely. But after considering the alternatives, I decided it was good enough. I folded it up and declared it finished. I really liked the customer who knit this sweater, and I knew she'd be so pleased to see it finally done. You see, she loves the rainbow sweater, so I was happy that I was able to help finish it for her, and plus it does make an interesting story. But because of having to work on this project, 
I didn't feel like pushing myself to complete any of my other personal projects. I just didn't feel like being scheduled or a responsible knitter. Maybe this is what led me to cast on two more projects over the last two weeks. The two projects that I cast on are out of the book Closely Knit. I mentioned one in the last episode, the Lace Tip Striped Scarf. I always have a hard time spitting that name out. So I started that last week, got through the lace section and working on the stripes, got a little bored with it. So I set that down and then started another project from that book, the Cap Sleeved Eyelet Top. I was drawn to this project because I've been seeing some pictures of it on the internet. There's a little video on Hannah Fettig's blog of it being shown in a fashion show, and I just really liked the look of it. And I thought it'd be fun to wear when Hannah does her book signing at the shop I work at. This top was designed 100% alpaca yarn, and I'm always wary of 100% alpaca because I once had a bad experience with a knit hat I made for my husband for our fifth anniversary. I used 100% Misty Alpaca, two strands of the sport weight held together, and that hat stretched out unbelievably, and it became quite scary. It was so big. So ever since then, I've been sort of anti-alpaca, but this top looked really nice. The fuzziness of the alpaca made it look cozy and kind of not like a not so much like a top, but more like a short sleeve sweater. And I just thought it would be nice for the fall because when it's just a little cool outside, it'd be nice to wear over a tank top or a t-shirt. And I think it would keep you really warm because alpaca is supposed to be one of the most warmest fibers to wear. And also I thought as it gets even cooler outside, it would be great to wear over a long sleeve top. And that's the way the model is wearing it in the picture, and it looks really, really cute on her. So I decided to go with the alpaca after all. And another reason why I chose the alpaca is because we have misty alpaca at our shop, and the worsted weight was the exact gauge of the alpaca that she called for in the pattern. And also we had the most beautiful color in stock that I had to have. So, of course, I bought more yarn, and I started that. And now I'm up about halfway up the top, and it's going really fast. It's a well-written pattern, very easy to follow, and I'm sure I'll be getting that done real soon. As for the other projects, I did finish one of my evening stockings before I went on this Casting on Rampage, and that turned out really well, and I was very surprised by the outcome. In previous episodes, I've mentioned that the leg didn't turn out to be long enough according to the way the pattern was written, and it did not come up to my knee, nowhere close to my knee. So I was afraid of adding more pattern repeats because I was worried about running out of yarn. Well, I should not have been worried. I just decided to add those pattern repeats because I had my heart set on a knee-length sock, and I just kept knitting and knitting, and I almost made it through the entire sock this entire knee-length sock. The leg of the sock is really long, and I made it through almost the entire thing with one ball of panda silk sock yarn. It really went a long ways. 
So I'm barely using any of the third ball that I bought. So I'm glad I ended up making it longer because I have plenty of yarn. So now that I have one done, I'm very motivated to finish the pair because I'd really like to wear them, especially since it's suddenly gotten chilly where I live. But on the other hand, I've never found it enjoyable to knit the same thing twice. So I better start on that sock soon before a serious case of second sock syndrome sets in. As for my dad's sweater, I'm still plugging along. I just keep taking it out in the car with me and I'm getting a good amount done that way. I'm already to the armholes on the back and the back is the biggest piece so that's quite a lot of work to reach the armholes. I want to get that done by November for my dad so that he can really get a lot of use out of it this season. I can't believe it. I have four projects going. This usually really stresses me out, so I need to really buckle down and get some things accomplished before I start anything else. I still have my eye on that Winter Wonderland coat, and I was able to swatch for it this week using the thicker version of Cascade Venezia, and the gauge is perfect. And to tell you the truth, I'm a little irritated about this. You see, the pattern, the yarn that it calls for is, it's a blue sky worsted yarn. And then under the weight of yarn it calls for, it says that it calls for a number four worsted. And it's knit on size sevens. So I just, without really looking at it closely, assumed that I could substitute a worsted weight. Right? That would make sense. Right? Wrong. I did the gauge on the worsted weight, as I told you, with the Cascade Venezia, and it was so loose, and there was no way I could use a size 7 needle to get gauge. So I decided to do some investigation, especially since I was able to swatch with the bulky weight of the Venezia and get gauge. I was confused. So I went on Ravelry. I looked up the Blue Sky worsted yarn that the pattern called for, and guess what? They classified it as a bulky weight and it's supposed to be knit up on like anywhere between a size 9 and 11 needle. What? So that kind of irritated me because here the pattern was calling for a worsted and the yarn is called worsted, yet it's really a bulky. Go figure. So according to Ravelry.com, the alpaca yarn they called for in the pattern, which is actually called Blue Sky Alpaca's Worsted Hand Eyes has 100 yards per a 100 gram skein. Now, I looked up the bulky version of Venezia on Ravelry 2, and that's Cascade Venezia, and it says that it has 102 yards per 100 gram skein. So that would make Cascade Venezia actually slightly thinner than the Blue Sky Alpaca's worsted hand dyes. So do you see the issue here? Blue Sky Alpaca has worsted in the name of the yarn, and yet the Venezia is described as a bulky yarn, yet the Venezia is actually thinner than the worsted alpaca. Are you as confused as I am about this? Anyhow, so I definitely think that the bulkier version of Cascade Venezia will work. Here's my concern. Venezia is made up of 70% merino wool 
and 30% silk. I looked it up on the forums on Ravelry and it seems like a lot of people are concerned about the silk content because silk apparently stretches out over time. So I'm wondering if it's a good option for this very long, heavy coat. I don't want it to stretch out. I don't want the arms to grow. I'm concerned about this. But then again, the Blue Sky Alpacas yarn that they called for in the pattern, it is 50% merino wool and 50% alpaca. Now alpaca stretches too, and there's more stretchable material in the yarn that they call for for the pattern than the Venezia, which is a 30-70 blend. So maybe it's not a big deal. I don't really know. So if anybody has any comments about this out there, please get in touch with me and let me know what you think. Let me know if you think the bulky version of the Cascade Venezia would be a good option for this coat. So now, why don't we go ahead and just... Bring on the product reviews. So this episode, I am pleased to review the brand new premiere issue of the Debbie Bliss Knitting Magazine. For those of you who don't recognize the name, Debbie Bliss is a pretty popular knitwear designer. She's published many books and she has her own yarn line that we happen to carry in the shop. I'm pretty familiar with her designs just from working in a yarn shop and seeing all the patterns that come through. And also I've knit several of her baby items. I think that she is a fabulous knitwear designer and I was just so excited when I heard about this magazine coming out. So just a few days ago it came into the shop and I thought it would be perfect to review it on episode 5. So the first thing that struck me about this magazine is that the photos are great, the layout is wonderful, it was easy to flip through, and I'm just very attracted to Debbie Bliss's style. In the front there are a few articles, but the main thing that I'm sure most people are interested in are her awesome patterns. The patterns in this magazine are sorted out into collections, which I will be going through one by one. The first collection, called Gray Matters, is a collection where all the garments and accessories are knit in shades of gray. There are some pretty short-sleeved cabled sweaters, some fair aisle, a really cute slouchy cabled hat, and some chunky sweaters as well. All of these designs are very pretty. The next collection is called A Little Romance, and it's comprised of a series of tops knit out of Debbie Bliss's pure silk yarn. I happen to love this section. I especially like the shrug on page 33, which is a little cropped bolero style sweater with lace and cables all over it. Also, the cap sleeve top on page 36 is just a must-knit item for me. It's delicate and feminine with beautiful stitch patterns going up the front. I would love to be able to wear this top next spring. The next collection is called Weekend Warriors, and it's men's sweater patterns. The patterns are nice, but this section didn't really appeal to me. First off, because I'm not a man, but second off, I couldn't see any men in my life being interested in wearing these sweaters. But they're very nice designs. There's a Fair Isle sweater, two cabled sweaters, and a plain stockinette pullover. 
Another section that I also really like is the next one called Details, Details, Details. This section has three different garments, a short sleeve top with a garter, with a garter stitch body, another short sleeve stockinette top with a large collar, and my personal favorite out of this section, the cable vent jacket. Now that name strikes me as kind of funny, but it's a really pretty jacket. It's simple on the fronts with just a very skinny cable going up each side. It's a cardigan style. In the back though is really, really interesting. There are six cables going down the back starting at the neck and then fanning out at the bottom creating a peplum and the way that's created is as you work the cables down the back you start putting reverse stockinette stitch sections that increase out as you go so the cables are separated at the bottom. It's a really interesting design. I really think it's going to be a favorite. I can't wait to see different versions of this on Ravelry. The next section is called Tough But Tender and features Debbie Bliss's Donegal Tweed yarn. Now she has a Donegal Chunky Tweed and also an Erin version and it looks like there's a pattern out of both weights. The Scarlet Skein, the shop where I work, has both of these yarns and I really like the look of them. They're a single ply and they're very rustic looking but they're a little on the rough side but they look like they would be perfect for outerwear like one of these patterns is which I recognize out of another book by Debbie Bliss. It's a roomy type jacket with a collar and a really interesting pretty stitch pattern that kind of has a scalloped edge at the bottom. But the other pattern is for a scarf and even though I really like this yarn I don't think I'd want to wear it for a scarf so I'm not sure about that pattern but these patterns do make me curious about using this yarn in the future. The next collection is full of knits for your home and it's called The Living is Easy. Here Debbie Bliss has designed placemats, a tea cozy, little teacup warmer cozies things, egg cozies that look like little sweaters. I don't know how useful that is but they are very cute and also knitted covers for drinking glasses. I happen to really like the patterns on page 27 and 28 of this collection because she offers a pattern for a knitting needle case which looks really cute. It's knit in seed stitch and she lined it with fabric and it looks very nice and functional and also I really like the knitting bag in here. It's a very simple design. It looks like it's a broken rib pattern of sorts and it has these really cute little rattan handles. Now I really liked this pattern so while I was at work I decided to look up the website that she mentions to see about getting these rattan handles so that I could make a sample for the shop. And since the company is in the UK to get these handles would cost I think it was 30 $30 or more and I said ah forget it so I'm still going to be on the lookout for some cute little wooden handles and when I find some I'd really like to make this bag up. This bag as well as other patterns in this book are made out of Debbie Bliss's new yarn called Como 
and it's a really chunky yarn with uh, the needle suggestion on for the yarn is size 15 needle and it's made from merino wool and cashmere and it's really soft and really nice so she has many patterns showing off this new yarn in this issue it looks really cute knitted up in this bag too the next section called room to grow is a section designed for older children there are some oversized alphabet cushions to knit as well as a seed stitch blanket and a really cute little striped purse and they in the photo are using it as a pencil pouch for maybe school-age children and I was kind of thinking about this pattern for my daughter because it's very cute looking and that's on page 58. The next and final section is called Little Luxuries and in this section are four patterns for four really cute baby blankets. I especially like the blanket on page 62 which is brightly colored and it looks like a mitered square design. I will be keeping that blanket in mind for the next baby shower I'm invited to. Well that's the premiere issue. If you live locally, come by the shop and check it out. We have many copies in stock. But all Never Not Knitting podcast listeners have a chance to win a copy of their own. This drawing will be just like all of the other ones. You can enter to win by posting a comment on my blog under the show notes for episode 5. The cutoff date for commenting is September 27th. All the comments will be entered in a random number generator online, and I will announce the winner on the next episode. Speaking of drawings, I think it's time for me to announce the winner of last episode's drawing. Everyone who entered comments had a chance to win a signed copy of the book Closely Knit. I selected one of the commenters at random, and the commenter that won is Ms. Stacy. Congratulations. I will be in touch, and I'll get that book out to you very soon. Thank you for entering. I'm now pleased to share with you a personal knitting story sent in by a listener of this podcast. I present the story of the never-ending wedding shop. that you just need to come to know about yourself. In my case, one of those things is that I need deadlines. Something about the pressure of a due date is what best motivates me to actually get something done. When my sister was getting married, I knew that I wanted to do something special for her. And I have several stepbrothers, but only one sibling that I actually grew up with. So when we started planning the wedding, I knew I wanted to make her something. This story starts way back in August of 2006. At this point, I was sort of playing with the idea of making a wedding shawl for her, July 2007th wedding. Despite the fact that I had never made any type of lace shawl at all before. With nearly a year preparation time, I researched all different traditional wedding shawl patterns because my sister is the sort of person who loves all things traditional. I found the perfect yarn while I was out in Wisconsin, visiting with a graduate research group there to work on my thesis. Jaeger spun Zephyr, 
If you haven't worked with this stuff and you like lace, you might want to consider shopping right now to do so. It is absolutely lovely. But how much to buy? I agonized and researched pattern after pattern. Imagine, this was life pre-Ravelry, when such things were made much harder. In the end, I bought nearly 4,000, yes, 4,000 yards of the delicate two-ply silk merino yarn, thinking I would do a large square shawl. Well, in October, I finally got around to sitting my sister down to talk about patterns. I showed her image after image from all over the web. Nothing appealed. And me with all that yarn! Finally, in desperation, I pointed her towards a print-of-the-wave shawl that I had seen on someone's blog that had been done in white for a wedding. That was it! She loved it, and actually she got really excited about the project. I did warn her that I wouldn't probably start it right away, with Christmas knitting due at any moment, and she quite amiably agreed. Little did I know that this would begin the constant check-ins. I did alright at first. I swatched in January, five months after purchasing the yard. I even managed to do a few inches of the center panel. Whenever my sister inquired on the status, I waved her away with a, Don't worry, I have plenty of time. I even started it. I don't think she was convinced. February and March followed, and with a few more feet to their credit, towards the five and a half foot span. By the beginning of April, I was not quite halfway through the center panel. But I wasn't worried. After all, I had months to go, right? My sister started to get a little anxious. Since unblocked and scrunched up, it looked quite unimpressive to someone unfamiliar with the magic of blocking. By mid-May, I had finished 24 out of 34 repeats of the center panel before being lured off by the siren's call of baby knitting. A few days later, though, a dropped comment by my sister made me realize something more than a little horrible. My sister thought I was going to finish this by the wedding shower, not the actual wedding, which was to be held on May 27th instead of July. I furiously picked up the 640 stitches for the border. Like a madwoman, I knit inch after inch, foot after foot of border. I know that I had heard other people say that the borders of a shawl can take forever, but I had been invincible. I mean, how long could it take, right? It wasn't like the border was super wide or anything. Many late nights later, I'm afraid to say it still wasn't done. In fact, I only had finished three quarters of the border. I might possibly have been able to finish it for the shower if I dropped everything, but there was no way that I would have been able to have it blocked too. For this sort of project, the presentation was really important to me. So I showed up to the shower empty-handed, though still quite busy since I was throwing it. But a few days later it was done. I was ecstatic blocked it was simply lovely and I tenderly wrapped it in tissue paper to deliver it to my sister for her birthday in early June. And despite the more than occasional prodding I have to say that my sister is a fabulous knitted gift recipient making me feel that the literally hundreds of hours that had gone into this doll were absolutely worth it. My aunt who saw it when she opened it was shocked and couldn't believe that I would make anything else when I could do work like this. How do you explain to a non-knitter the lure of the quick hat or baby item? 
The tempting portability of a pair of socks in your purse for waiting time in lines or on buses. This shawl was the complete opposite of the types of projects that I'm usually drawn to. It was delicate, needing constant attention to the pattern. The ball was prone to center pull barf when too enthusiastically pulled from or shoved into a bag. In fact, more than a year later, I have yet to do another shawl. So, total time spent contemplating this project? 11 months. Total time actually knitting it? 5 months. When did most of the knitting actually happen? Well, just that last month. I really wish that the moral of the story was to start early, but apparently that isn't what really matters in my case. And knowing I have knit other projects of similar yardage in a month, I guess I just need to give myself some sort of deadline if I want to get anything done at all. If you'd like to see pictures of this project, you can find them on Ravelry, where I am found as Omly, O-M-L-Y, or at my blog, omly.blogspot.com. A link to the wedding shell picture, as well as a link to Omly's blog, will be included in the show notes for episode 5. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us. I, and I'm sure all of the other listeners, really enjoyed hearing it. I'm still looking for stories for future episodes, so please contact me and send me a brief synopsis of what your story's about, and I'll get in touch with you and let you know if it's right for the podcast. The show notes for this podcast can be found on my blog, and that's at nevernotknitting.com. I'm also over on Ravelry as Never Not Knitting, and just this last week formed a Never Not Knitting podcast listeners group. I'd love it if you'd join us. Also, you can email me at nevernotknitting at gmail.com. Thank you for listening to episode 5. I'll see you next time. She won't even do the dishes. The house plants, they're all dead. Yeah, her needles are a-clickin' From morning until she goes to bed She won't take the time to brush her teeth Let's not even talk about her hair If it isn't about knitting She just doesn't really care Never not knitting, and it's making her husband mad. Her husband mad. Pop ramen again. She just won't stop the stitching, and the neighbors say it really is quite sad. I don't know about her. She used to be such a sweet girl, but now she doesn't knit. Nobody has clean laundry. No pants. No shirts. No underwear. But they have closets full of sweaters And more socks than they could ever wear There's yard in the fridge In the cupboards, the bathtub and pantry It's even in the washer and dryer That's why she can't do any laundry I need some clothes She's never not knitting, and it's making her husband mad. Her husband mad. I'm filing for divorce. She just won't stop her stitching, 
and the neighbors say it's really getting bad. She's taking pictures of socks again. Oh, poor girl. The house is burning up in flames. Oh, 911. Her husband says, Get up, let's go. But she can't set down her project. She says, Just let me finish up this row. Never not knitting, and it's making her husband mad. Her husband mad. She just won't stop her stitching, and well, she's losing all she had.